Hello, welcome back to Come Follow Me with Fair Faithful Answers to New Testament Questions. I am Jennifer Roach. Today we're going to talk about suffering. As you know, we're about to do the Come Follow Me readings and looking at some of the questions that might come up between your evangelical friends and family and, and you, a Latter-day Saint, trying to help you understand where they're coming from so that maybe you can hear what they're saying a little bit better with the goal so that you can respond to them in ways that they might understand and might receive a gift or two from our faith. Um, so our jumping off point today is Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs, Paul is talking about our, our status as children of God. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And we're going to talk about suffering and how it's viewed differently by evangelicals and Latter-day Saints. I, uh, let me give you an overview of, of kind of how they think about it, of a little bit of why they're thinking what they're thinking, um, what that means on a practical level for them. At the end, I'll compare it a little bit to the Latter-day Saint view. Um, before I do that, though, we're in Romans. There is so much here in these chapters, and the come follow me lectionary goes through them so fast. If you are not confident in your ability to really follow Paul's argument through this book, and it's really dense, um, please take advantage of some of the other come follow me resources that are out there and available to you. Um, my favorite ones to really, really break it down are the Scripture Central shows. Um, they, they used to be Book of Mormon Central, and now they're called Scripture Central. They've got three or four different shows of varying lengths and depths that will talk you through all of this. Um, we're doing something really different here, not trying to help you understand, like, point by point what Paul is saying. It, and not in Roman, is not in any other book, as you know. Um, but it's important that you understand what is going on here. Um those podcasts will help you out a great deal between now and the end of the year. All the next New Testament stuff is just very dense. It all deserves your very careful consideration. So that's just my advice for you. Anyway, moving on. Um, okay, we're talking about suffering. So as always, there is not one singular evangelical point of view on this. And I'm going to try to give you the version it's pretty much right down the middle. There's going to be variations on either side. Um, a really good example of this view um, is heard in what one popular Bible teacher has said. Here is his quotes. In answer to the question of why God allows suffering, I don't know. My I don't know answer to the question of why God allows suffering may not feel very theological. However, it does point to a truth that we sometimes forget. God's ways and purposes are higher than ours, and we won't always figure them out. It's a pretty typical evangelical response of, we don't know why. God does what he does. He's God. We're not. We live in it the best that we can. And... If you're a Latter-day Saint, you're probably thinking, no, oh, there's so much more to it than that. But this is really sort of where your evangelical friends and family members are coming from, that the idea presented is, well, well, we don't know. 
The answer of we don't know is okay. I don't have anything against that answer. And in fact, we Latter-day Saints, we have plenty that we answer. We don't know. That hasn't been revealed. God hasn't told us yet. Um, it, it's, it's a fine answer. I'm not saying that their normal answer is we don't know in a way to criticize them by any means. This is a starting point to say that's mostly where they go with this. Let me illustrate that for you a little bit further. Um, in 2021, the Pew Research Center, um, which I've quoted a lot in this series, they do all kinds of research, mostly on religious issues, though other issues as well. Um, they did a survey and found 80% of evangelicals say the main reason why suffering happens is just randomness. Sometimes bad things happen. And that's sort of their their first answer. You kind of hear the undertones in that of, well, we don't know. When they are pressed for a reason beyond that, 75% will say that suffering happens mostly because that person made bad choices and is suffering the consequences of their own actions. And a lot of things, they're not wrong, right? Like you've experienced that. I've experienced that. We make dumb choices. We get dumb consequences. Um, what I want you to get a sense of overall for them is that suffering is a glitch in God's plan. It's not a feature of the plan. In in the same Pew study, they... Um, they ask the question, and slightly over half of evangelicals say that suffering is a punishment from God, and 70% of them say that suffering comes directly from Satan and is opposed to God's plan, and God never intended suffering for us. It's a glitch, not a feature. I want to give you um, a couple examples of that by talking through their view on the Garden of Eden, um, and it really illustrates some of the differences that I'm trying to get at here. When they hear the Garden of Eden story, they focus on the idea that God created this perfect garden and gave very clear rules for living there that he expected them to follow. The garden is plan A. It's the only plan. He gives them free will to disobey, but very much expects them to obey. It was never the plan for Adam and Eve to disobey. Staying in the garden was what God wanted. It was plan A. Eve messes it up. And God kind of had to scramble to figure out how to, how to fix this big problem that she caused, her and Adam. If you remember back, um, probably 10 episodes back, we talked about atonement theories. And you can really see this same dynamic play out in atonement theories. Two of the most popular theories for evangelicals are called substitutionary atonement and Christus Victor. In subatonement, it uses this courtroom metaphor where something really bad has happened. God is the judge. He condemns humanity. Jesus offers to take the place of humanity and receive God's wrath instead. Right? So there's a problem. This isn't how it was supposed to go. Jesus fixes the problem. There are other favorite theories called Christus Victor, and it's more like a, a war metaphor or a battle metaphor where Eve's sin kind of 
unleashes Satan into the world and Christ has to fight Satan in order to save humanity. And I think you can see that both of these are pretty reactionary. God had this perfect plan, the garden, and intended that to keep going forever. Now, side note, evangelicals don't read the part in Genesis about Adam and Eve where it says they discovered their nakedness the same way that Latter-day Saints do. Latter-day Saints read that and understand that prior to that moment, Adam and Eve were not able to procreate. Don't know how that works. They were not having children. They were not having marital relations that would produce children. They were unable. I, I don't know. Sex was not a thing for them. That's the even or that's the Latter-day Saint understanding. Evangelicals read that differently and believe that life could have gone on forever in the garden, at least in theory. You and I could still be living the garden today if only Eve hadn't messed everything up. Although if Eve hadn't messed up like somebody else would, probably me, maybe you, I don't know. But, but that's their, their idea of what God's plan A was. Garden of Eden, humanity lives there forever. They understand humanity as being able to procreate in the garden, so there's not that problem to solve. Um, and somehow when Eve ruins the plan, God has to figure out what he's going to do to react to her choice. This wasn't all a pre-planned understanding of what was going to happen. So what does this have to do with suffering? Well, in the evangelical view, suffering is a problem that has to be reacted to. The only role it has in God's plan is either something like, well, bad things happen, or well, this person is experiencing the consequences of their own dumb choice. So in the garden, Eve's actions were not motivated um, to obey all of Heavenly Father's commands, they were motivated solely by her wanting to be rebellious. That's the evangelical view. She was just being bad. Um, her choice was 100% rebellion, and there was no mixed motives in it. Now, both evangelicals and Latter-day Saints agree that Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden because of their own actions, because they disobeyed this command God had given them, and that had consequences. The difference is that Latter-day Saints believe they had a bigger motive. Adam and Eve had a bigger motive in that mix, and God had a bigger motive in that mix. They had to move the story along, whereas evangelicals see it as a major crisis God had to figure out how to solve. In their view, Adam and Eve needed to suffer through living in the lone and dreary world because they had been bad, and this was their consequence. And therefore, our we're their children, we're the children of Adam and Eve, and therefore it is our consequence. Humanity couldn't bear that consequence, so Jesus comes to cover the cost in this way to fix a mistake, to fix a glitch in the plan that had happened. So you can see... Underneath the question of why is there suffering in the world is something like, um, is suffering a problem God had to unexpectedly react to? Or was Jesus the plan from the beginning? 
before the creation of the world, did God already know that he would send Jesus for our sins? Now, Latter-day Saint friends, I know you are at home, maybe yelling at your computer. Yes, of course, Jesus was the plan from the beginning. Evangelicals, at least, at least if you're going straight down the middle, they do not see it that way. Variation on either side, but for the most part, for them, there was no forethought of God saying, we will provide for them a savior. It was just a crisis that had to be solved. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot a tiny bit, move away from the Garden of Eden, and talk about another aspect of suffering, which is sometimes called the problem of evil. And it goes something like this. If we are God's children and he actually loves us, how could he let blank happen? How could he let my child die? How could he allow my friend to have cancer? How could there be all these children suffering from abuse? And those are fair questions and they deserve answers. Evangelicals answer the problem of evil very differently than Latter-day Saints do, at least on the theological level. Now, let me say this. In the evangelical world, they are very comfortable making a distinction between the theological answer to something and the pastoral answer to something. Theological answers are allowed to and often do sound cold, sometimes harsh, while pastoral answers are given in such a way that allows the one suffering to find some level of comfort. I'll give you an example. Uh, when I was 12 years old, my dad died. The church I had attended vigorously taught that anyone who didn't make a profession of faith in the way that they defined it would go straight to hell where they would be tormented forever. I had been taught this since childhood, and even at age 12, I knew that was the theological answer. But when I was actually in that situation where something terrible happened, I, I was given much softer answer, answers, more pastoral answers. Things like, well, you don't know how he actually felt in his heart. God God knew in his heart what he really believed, even though he hadn't prayed to receive Jesus. Maybe in his heart he did. Or they said things like, well, well you don't know. Maybe he placed his trust in Christ in the very last second with his dying breath. There's not tons of comfort in those, but they're better than outright saying, well, your dad is being tortured in hell right now and will be forever. Um, the, the theological answer to the problem of evil for them, it, it comes in a few different forms and I want to talk through three of them. I let, before I do that, let me say, I appreciate that they're trying to give, um, softer, more pastoral kind of answers. Sometimes the answer, um, a person is given in, in like my 12 year old scenario is, you know, maybe somehow in God's mercy, he's going to work this out for them. But that's never a theological answer. You're not going to read that in a theology textbook. You're not going to be taught that um, in, in a theological conversation in one of their churches. So I want to talk through sort of what are the, the three versions of how they solved this, this problem of evil. So one, 
evangelicals will sometimes say that suffering is God's judgment against evildoers. And they can cite many scriptures, often in the Old Testament, that say that God uses bad circumstances to punish his children. Okay, fair enough. You can find that in the Bible. But it isn't a very satisfying answer when you're 12 and your dad just died. Maybe God is doing this to punish you. Right? Not not super satisfying. Second, um, they have this theory that's sometimes called um, the soul-building answer to the problem of evil. Or the soul-building solution, which says that God lets evil happen so that he can bring about better character in his children. Also, fair enough, that happens. And you can find plenty of scripture that backs that up. And not to make all of this about me by any means, it's just a good example. Tell that to the 12-year-old who just lost his lost her dad. God is doing this to build your character. Not a very satisfying answer, and you are not going to get very far with that. The third version, that sometimes they call it God's megaphone. Um, this version is like, Pain and suffering is God's way to, to loudly shout and get your attention to focus back on him. Okay, F fair enough. Not untrue. That happens sometimes. Tell that to a child with cancer. It, it's nonsensical. It doesn't, it doesn't work in the real world. The thing that all these theories, these evangelical theories, have in common is the premise that God could go against the laws of nature if he wanted to. Now, there are miracles. Latter-day Saints believe in miracles. Sometimes God does things that are outside of the realm of what we understand about nature, and we call those things miracles. So it's not untrue that God sometimes acts in supernatural ways. However, um, that can't be your only solution to the problem of evil. Because if God chooses to do that, he chooses. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. And why would he choose that for one and, and not another, right? You're creating new problems. Um, these theories create the problem that suffering should be considered um, unexpected. And that God's job is to help us avoid suffering whenever possible. It's asking God to step outside of the very laws of nature that he set up and, and asking him to act in ways opposed to his own laws. It's a, it's a muddle. Latter-day Saints solve this problem differently. And to me, I mean, this should just be obvious by now, it's a much more satisfying way. E evangelicals are asking the question, why didn't God transcend nature to help me avoid pain? Well, Latter-day Saints are asking, how is God operating within the bounds of nature in this situation? God is using the natural world, including the parts of the world that make us suffer, to help us learn and understand for ourselves what is good and what is not, and to make choices based on that. In the Latter-day Saint view of God, he's not the author of evil, but he's also not going to prevent suffering or evil as it exists in the natural world. There's a metaphor from Elder Maxwell. I think this is a talk in 1988. 
I'll try to link the talk in the comment or in the in the comment section. Eleanor Maxwell once said that trying to understand suffering without seeing the the whole scope of the plan of salvation is like trying to understand a three act play, but you're only watching the second. If you don't know what came before, and you don't know what's going to happen at the end, the middle is just a confusing mess. Latter-day Saints believe that we came from God and we will return to him. The whole point of coming to earth is to learn and grow. In theory, we could have stayed in heaven with God and probably been quite happy. But in order to learn, in order to progress, in order to um, really understand some things we needed to come to understand, we had to leave our heavenly home just like Adam and Eve had to leave Eden, their their garden home, we had to leave and go learn some things. And there is pain involved in that. Evangelicals believe that humans only come into existence when they're born, or they would they would actually say humans come into existence at conception, but not before, not one second before. They're missing the information that we have in Act 1, right? We understand the premortal life, that things were happening there, that we needed to progress, we needed to learn, we needed to grow. And that Act 1 leads to Act 2 here on Earth, where we may experience terrible things. I do. You do. Everybody does. <laughs> the reason we're here is to see if we will choose to hold true to what we knew before we got here. For evangelicals, Act 2 can be a time when they're really confused and really mad that God is not acting in ways outside of the world that he set up for us. He set up this world so that we could learn. And, and there can be, not always, but there can be this real anger, this real sadness, real frustration for evangelicals of why is this suffering happening? They don't have a great answer to that. They have, we don't know. Um, and they just see the suffering and, and it doesn't make sense why they, they don't understand why the play is set up the way it is. They're watching act two and they want the author of the play to change the story. Like this act is, this play is dumb. Why are all these terrible things happening? But if they knew about act one, they'd know why the story is playing out the way that it is. For me, that's an incredibly satisfying explanation to why evil and suffering happen. When you miss act one and misunderstand why God is not acting in certain ways, act two is really hard to understand. And act three, the eternity, you're never going to understand why eternity is set up the way that it is. Now, I will tell you, evangelicals, many of them, but most of them, they are trying to stay faithful to what they know to be true in the midst of a lot of suffering. And they are doing the best that they can with what they have. The frustration of the problem of evil or the problem of suffering, it's just closer to the surface for them. They just don't have the same kind of answers that Latter-day Saints have. It's more frustrating for them. Um, I, I hope that gives you kind of a, a tiny glimpse into that world for them. Um, suffering is not something they talk about a ton, um, in part because the answers are pretty short. It's pretty, we don't know. 
um, one of the greatest gifts you can offer one of your evangelical friends from our faith is helping them come to an understanding of why suffering happens, that it's not God abandoning them. It's it's set up this way in Act 1 so that Act 2 plays out the way that it does. Well, this was a lot. Suffering is a huge topic. We actually come back to this in a future episode. Suffering is a big theme for Paul, so it'll come up again. But I hope this gives you enough to start to see the differences and how we think about these things and, and maybe give you some ideas about how to talk about the hope that we have based on modern revelation, based on how we understand the scriptures, based on things that our leaders have taught us. Um, it really, it, it's a, it's a hope-filled um, conversation that you could have with them. Okay, come back next week. We are going to do one of the most fun evangelical questions of all time. Why do Latter-day Saints believe Jesus and Satan are brothers? It's going to be super fun. If you have a weird definition of fun like I do. Anyway, we'll see you then. <laughs>